Welcome to the Bread Boon Podcast. I'm Dan Levy. Alongside me is the Silver Slugger, the All-Star, the Golden Glover, Brett Boone. What up, Brett? Hi, Danny. What do we got? Well, we got ourselves a postseason that's about to start up here, and I think you uh, said that the guys that weren't going to do so well would be my White Sox, and it looks like they're doing a little better than you thought, bud. A little better. White Sox are for real. You know, I think we got a good show tonight. I think uh, we'll bring some boys that know a little bit about the Padres. I think, you know, your White Sox and the Padres, similar stories. You know, I haven't heard much from them for for a while. and uh, Haven't sniffed the postseason over a decade, yes. Yeah, up and coming. My Mariners, when are they going to? Where are they going to rise to the top? It's only been 19 years. That's true. Hopefully one of these days they'll get back to it. Maybe it'll uh, take another another boon to bring them back to playoff glory. <sighs> Maybe you can talk to your son and uh, make it a little bit of a switch there for a little bit. But speaking of sw- speaking of my golf game stinks, but I'm working on it. How about you? Well, mine isn't very good. I know yours stinks. I was just being nice by asking. <laughs> mine hasn't been good lately. I will say this. My drinking game has gotten exponentially better. So... There's a there's a yin and a yang to it. My golf game not great, beer game up a level, so not bad. Fifty fifty. All right. I think that means a birdie. Now speaking of changing pace, we have two great two great guests coming on this uh, very podcast. Brett, these are friends of yours and radio TV people. We all know these guys from CBS Radio. We have Rich Herrera and NBC 7's Derek Togerson. Gentlemen, welcome to the Boone Podcast. I was, I was giving Rich as being, being the elder the first chance to jump in there. Think, nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. This is going to be fun. See, I didn't want to talk right after Dan because he's got such great pipes. Oh, we got, I thought I told we were working, we working with James Earl Jones here. What the heck? Boone? Yeah. I, 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 thought I'd, I thought I'd let him, you go first. It's kind of like, you know, if, if, if you hang out with a bunch of ugly people, you look better. So I didn't want to come right after him, but it's nice to be on the podcast, guys. That's interesting. No wonder why my friends are always so much better looking than I am. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that is interesting. So basically, what you're saying, Rich, right now is I'm like, I'm the guy who replaced Dan Marino. Thanks. That That's awesome. <laughs> Listen, so, I've got a face made for radio, so I'm just happy it's a podcast or not on YouTube or anything. As long as we're not standing next to Brett Boone, because he makes me look really, really bad, and I feel bad about myself. But gentlemen. Yeah. By the way, we saw him on TV the other day. I mean, you know. I thought when you retired, you're supposed to get fat and old and out of shape. And he still looks like he could go play and perform. And I'm just a little disappointed because I was hoping he was going to balloon up like every former player. Usually when, by the time you say the word retirement, the next shot we should, we should see of somebody is that they're bald, gray, and has a nice gut that kind of just goes over their golf belt. And no, you went the opposite with that one. Yeah, what's up with that, Boone? I am too uh, entirely too vain for all that. <laughs> um, that never got me. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I need to. You, you need to get up in the morning and have a reason. So I just always, I always told myself I'm never going to be. I'm already short, and I'm not going to be that short fat ass that lets himself go. So, you know, I put I put a thing up, and I and I lecture my kids every day. They still give you a hard time, you know. But Dad, come on, you're getting fat. And I said, Dude, let's see when you're 50 what you look like. Oh, you know. But I appreciate the the semi compliments, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. You know, what? Like Dan said, we got Rich Herrera. It's, uh, I've known Rich for a long time, done a lot of interviews with him. Uh, 
He's worked for the Giants, the A's, the Rays, and the Padres, and the Durham Bulls, I saw, Rich. Durham uh, Bulls. I, I want to I hear a little bit about that. My A-ball, my first year in professional baseball is in that Carolina League, and we ran through and saw the Durham Bulls, and it was the old stadium. Were you in the old stadium or the new stadium? No, I was in the new. I was in Durham Bulls Athletic Park, DBAP, and then you played at Dur- uh, Durham Athletic Park. So it was the old one that they filmed the movie in. Now, right. I went to go visit the old ballpark, and I took pictures, and I saw where the, the bull was that they had. That actually wasn't there originally. It was part of the movie set, and they left it up there where you hit the bull and win a free stake. They've actually replicated that in the new ballpark. The new ballpark's a little goofy because it has a big blue monster like Fenway Park, but it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's a great place to watch baseball. Yeah, well, cool. I, yeah, I played in the old one with yeah where they filmed the – because uh, my let's see my a ball that was in 1990 i remember it was the atlanta braves back then because a buddy of mine who i ended up playing years with was uh, ryan klesko played for the durham bulls back then. sure long time uh, brave all right and we got Derek togerson i just met Derek. we did a uh, we did a shot on uh nbc7 last night i Derek, how did my studio look that was my first uh, attempt at a studio. My mom called me. She said, "Dad, I said, or Dad, Brett, I saw you on TV. You got a lot going on in the background. There's too many." So I looked at it. And I said, "I don't think it looks that bad. I'm going to run it by Derek when when we get back on the air today." What'd you think? What'd you think of my uh, makeshift background? I liked it. It was just ostentatious enough, and because it has <laughs> it, it has your gold gloves back there, you know, it's got got, got the awards hanging out in the mantle. Um, I I think you should go to the rate my room, you know, the Twitter handle that kind of right. rates all the uh, all the different Zoom backgrounds that people have. I think you get a, a pretty solid rating on that. But hey, man, if you got the hardware, show off the hardware. I'll tell I mean, you I what, got I, no problem with that. I told mom too. I said, Mom, do you notice there's only three gold gloves up on top of the mantle? And she goes, yeah, well, I, I have another one. I hid it behind the chair. I didn't want to be too ostentatious. So I, I did have a little humbleness to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. You, if you, you can't put all of it up there. I mean, no. you, have, you have a really you have a fisheye lens to get it all in. And then that would just look like we're all filming a Beastie Boys video. And then it would look kind of people would go like, what the heck am I watching? All right. So our next shot, I might mix it up on you. Derek, what do you have in your background compared to what, what Brett has in his? I have a picture of Petco Park. I do the virtual background thing because uh, my wife is also working from home. So I'm pretty much always in a different room, depending on which one of us is on a Zoom call at the time. So I I don't want to set up just one room. I just go virtual background, works wherever I am. And if I'm in the hot tub, nobody can tell anyway. So it's awesome. So I've I've got an autograph Ted Williams photo. I've got an MLB logo 10 that I found at Hobby Lobby. And I've got ticket stubs from the 2008 World Series of the Tampa Bay Rays. So I have just enough that it breaks up the white behind me, but I, I don't have all the, the hardware like, like Brett does, so I kind of liked it. Should I put some of my eight Emmys behind me? Would that, would that be That would be sharp. By the way, Derek, I do have an Emmy while we're counting. Who'd you steal it from? I got it from the Fox broadcast where I said about two words the entire postseason. It was the the, the 3 It was when my brother hit the home run and I was in the booth with uh, Buck and McCarver. It's right when they started trying out that third man in the booth. I had finished a, a pretty good Mariner season. We didn't make the postseason. They somehow they convinced me. I didn't want to do it. They convinced me to do it. Uh, and I think just because of the series, they we got a phone call said, "Yeah, the you know, 
They won an well, you guys won an Emmy for best sports broadcast of the year. And I said, well, where's my Emmy? You know, I needed I needed an Emmy to bring back in the clubhouse because in the clubhouse, stuff like that, that goes a long way because we don't see Emmys too often. And they said, well, you know, the 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 broadcast team, we get one Emmy for the studio, but you guys can get an Emmy, but you got to pay for it. And we'll send you your little mini Emmy. I ended up never doing it, but I had T-shirts made that said I'm an Emmy award winner. So, wow. So I'm on a podcast. I cover the, with, I, an Emmy award winner. It's amazing. Emmy, I'm with two Emmy award winners. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. But how many other Emmy award winners can you find that also have a silver slugger and a golden glove? Like that's, you see some people who like have a Tony, um, a, an Academy award and uh, like a Grammy, but that, that's an interesting trifecta. How many people have a silver slugger, a gold glove, and an Emmy, like that's got to be an incredibly unique. There's only troika one per- of awards. Only one person I know of sitting right here. Well, and then if you think about it, fellas, it's hard to flex with an Emmy and the Gold Glove and the Silver Slugger because Brett, you can't walk into Costco with your Gold Glove on to show everybody, hey, look, I'm a Gold Glove winner, Derek. Unless I get you a big chain like the Miami Hurricanes turnover chain how are you going to show off on a daily basis that you have an emmy i told you that's the way yeah you just put it on a t-shirt and you'll be done with it i I have i i have a 2008 american league championship ring i will wear it out on occasion i will wear it when i travel and it has gotten me upgraded into first class before Sure. And, and that the 2008, I'm thinking, because what's interesting about that is my dad, he won the World Series 1980 with the Phillies. And it was yep. a very, a very uh, you know, nothing ostentatious, just a basic ring, few diamonds. If I were to look at it with my jeweler eye, I'd say it's worth on its face. Not not considering what the ring is, just the jewelry, probably a couple thousand dollars. This year, uh, Dad, as an executive for for the Washington Nationals, when they won the World Series, they sent him his World Series ring in a box. I took that thing out, amazing, and, and I think it was forty seven grand. So from nineteen eighty to two thousand and twenty, the the value has gone up forty five fold. So two thousand seven, I'm thinking it's a pretty cool ring. But I, I took to my ring. In, go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. I used to work in Philadelphia, so I know how important that is to those people. So you could sell the the Phillies ring in Philly for a heck of a lot more than you could Without sell a doubt. the Nationals ring in Washington. Without a doubt, I did that. I, I, I told Dad that. I said, you know, this doesn't look very ostentatious, but this is worth more than this. So. Well, I took my ring once. I was wearing it. I was in Las Vegas, and we went to Pawn Stars. Uh, and and we went just, we want to walk through and there's a line to get in, but I walked through and I was wearing the ring, of course, because I was trying to flex and, you know, get room upgrades and free food. And we went through and the guy goes, Hey, what's that ring? I said, Oh, it's a raised 2008 American league championship ring. He goes, Oh, let me see. And he goes, Hey, do you want to see how much uh, they'll give you for it? And I'm like, sure. Why not? So I walked to the back and they go, Hey, look at the other championship rings. And they had Super Bowl rings, World Series rings. They had all kinds of rings in there. And they came back and they go, We'll give you $14,000 for it. Now I'll keep it. They go, Yeah, but it's nice to know how much we would give you to pawn that if you wanted to sell it on the show. I'm like, Oh, that's great. And then I looked, someone else from the organization, I won't say their name, had sold their ring. And the same exact ring was sitting in the case that they were trying to sell it for like $16,000. Yeah. Guys do it. Guys do it. 
I'm not going to name names, but his name rhymes with Heaven Mongoria. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he just wants to he just wants to bang his head on the wall after losing all these games against the Padres and not making the playoffs this weekend. That's right. They had a chance. Anyway, I'm gonna we're gonna get into it now. Derek, uh, he's been you've been with NBC seven in San Diego since 2005, so you got a lot of lean years watching these Padres. And Rich, he's he's been in California for a long time, followed the Padres for a long time, so. I want to talk to you about this postseason. It just ended yesterday. Padres, obviously, similar to Dan, uh, Dan's White Sox, it had an incredible turn this year with, with the type of team they've been in recent, in recent history and this year. So I just wanted to get in with you guys. What you've seen, what, what is different about this team? What turned it around, in your opinion? And what do you look for them going, future, uh, going forward in the future? Take it away, Rich. All right. So the number one thing I saw this year was energy. And uh, that was Fernando Tatis that brought an energy and kind of a boyish enthusiasm that was very infectious. Uh, While other teams were trying to figure out what exactly are we doing? How far do we push the gas pedal? Because we're only playing 60 games. Um, They have the right combination of youth and energy to get you through the first two months of the season. And that's why they played so well. I thought right. guys play to their potential. I mean, how many years have we said Will Myers is way too talented to be a guy who loses his starting job? We said Manny Machado was way too talented to be scuffling as bad as he is in the second half. Eric Hosmer is way too talented to have a launch angle of negative seven degrees. We, we, we see these guys and we see what they've done in their careers and they weren't doing it in San Diego. And then Rich, I think he hit it on the head. I've been in that clubhouse, man. And I watch Fernando Tatis Jr. walk through and even the guys who are the, the Machados and the Hosmers of the world, they look at him and go, there's the alpha male. That's the guy. That's where the energy comes from. So having him healthy for a whole year, Machado stepped up his game. Meyer stepped up his game. Hosmer stepped up his game. And then they found a couple of, of gems in a guy like Jake Cronenworth and Trent Grisham. And they got some consistent pitching and they put together a bullpen that works. I think everybody kind of came together and is actually playing up to the talent level that they have, which is this has been an underachieving franchise for decades. And finally, to get everybody pulling together and actually doing what they can do on a baseball field. I think it's just as simple as that. I love it. I, I will throw one more caveat out there because I said they played the best 60 days of baseball that you had, but I think there's going to be – I don't want to say there needs to be an asterisk on this season because if you're going to win the World Series, dude, that ring is going to be just as big and fat as the one, uh, Brett, that your dad got for the Washington Nationals. But is this the true test – of the best team in Major League Baseball this season. Shut up. Shut No, shut up with that. Absolutely not. That's stupid. Absolutely not. The reason why the World Series champion is the best, greatest, number one, most fair uh, representation of a champion is you have to play through the marathon of 162 games. You're going to get found out whether you're hot or not. You're going to get found out whether you can stay healthy or not. You get the ultimate test to get to the race. There's two races. There's the marathon of 162 games where, by gosh, we're going to find out every flaw you possibly have, and then there's a sprint into the playoffs. The Tampa Bay Rays are the perfect example of a team that is flawed. It is ugly. It is beat up. They barely make it through the marathon. But good Lord, do not play them once you get into that sprint because they're built for that postseason. 
Rich, you, you literally just tried to make the case that it's more difficult to stay healthy over another hundred baseball games than it is to stay healthy during a pandemic. Everybody had the exact same set of rules. Everyone had the exact same set of challenges. The fact that and in California, it's been even more stringent than in other places. The Padres had more hurdle, hurdles to jump over. They had more obstacles to overcome. I would argue that the team that wins it this year actually should get two rings. It matters even more because this is an unprecedented time in American history. And you're talking about a sporting franchise that has to go through not just the rigors of baseball to get these guys ready, but to go through everything else that has happened around this. This is going to be one of the most impressive World Series champions of all time. There's no asterisk on this other than to say, give these guys extra credit because because of all the things they had to deal with. I'll steal, Brett, I'll steal from Anthony Lynn from the Chargers during Hard Knocks when he said, you know, why not us in the very first episode? That, you know what, whoever wins is going to be able to handle adversity better than everybody else in the National Football League. Same thing for Major League Baseball. It was an unconventional year. Hats off to everybody that gets through this unconventional season with all these crazy things going on. But, Derek, I'll disagree COVID-19 does not cause Tommy John surgery, uh, sprained ACLs, torn hamstrings, or Achilles uh, tended breaking down in July. You had to go over a bunch of stuff going on, but, but Brett, you tell me, when I'll do you feel you know, the best? When do I feel the best? In the, over the course of a season. Hey, listen, the first 30 days, you feel pretty good. For the first 60 sure. days, you per, feel pretty good. You start to see hamstrings and groins start to go about July and August. Well, okay, so the Padres have one of the younger rosters in baseball, so they won't wear down like that. Also, uh, I, I will give credit, <laughs> piggy tail off what you said. I will give credit too to the Padres. Uh, medical staff, they've not punctured anyone's lung with an injection. So, so good on <laughs> All right, here, Here's my middle-of-the-road take. And, and it's actually my actual take. I look, at the, I look at the pros and cons. I look at what what is the fact? All right, it's 60 games. It's the easiest year in the history of baseball to get to the postseason. There's 16 teams get to the postseason out of 30. You've got teams all over the place here with losing records making the postseason. I don't know that that's ever happened before. So to make the postseason without a doubt is a simple year. So if you want to asterisk that, that's fine. My contention is... The fact that we got 16 teams lined up right now, and some wouldn't be here in a 160-game schedule. I think the way they have the postseason set up, and you have to win four, what I call mini tournaments. You got to go through four landmines to be handing that or be hoisting that trophy at the end. I don't think an average or mediocre or lucky or hot at the time team is good enough to, to get through four series and win. So I think, I think, yeah, easier to get into the tournament, but I think just as difficult to win the world series, because you're going to have to beat some real good teams and there's landmines all over the place in this postseason. That's, that's just what I think back to the, that's why to, you're an Emmy award winning broadcaster. Well, you better believe that son, because you bring that out. And that's absolutely true. Listen, uh, at the end of the day, I'm glad baseball's back. I'm glad we're having a postseason. I'm glad more teams got into the playoffs. I am glad, 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 glad. And anybody who's just going to poo-poo Derek and say, oh, this is this is cheap and this isn't this, this isn't that, shut up. Go watch European soccer or something else like that. I'm going to enjoy the postseason.
Rich, don't trip, don't trip backpedaling that much, buddy. <laughs> All right, we got we got uh, we got Clevenger and Lamette. Huge, huge possible. You know, are we going to see him? Are we not? Are they going to pitch tomorrow if it's game sixty-one? Either one of them. <sighs> if it's a regular season game, no. There's, I mean, there's no question they don't pitch in a regular season game. Now it's a playoff game, and they both played catch today, and they both that's taping recording this on on Monday afternoon. They both played catch at Petco Park, and they looked like I saw some video of Clevenger on MLB Network, and he looked like he was he was cutting loose a little bit, and he looked like he felt okay. So that I think is an encouraging sign. Now rosters don't have to be finalized until Wednesday, but if if we're getting the reports and they're saying, "Hey, ultra positive," they felt good. We're optimistic, which of course every team is going to say publicly before as they're getting you know Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore ready for a surprise start from a rookie in the postseason. But they're saying all the right things. Everything looks like it's going to be a possibility. So that, that's that's the latest we have on on those two guys because they are. I think we all agree. If those two guys are throwing games one and two and in, in some order, the Potters are the overwhelming favorites against St. Louis. Could Patino, Patino and Gore be this year's David Price rookie coming in, making his debut in the postseason? Here's the thing: If like Derek, you're 100 right in June. If both of these guys had cranky elbows, you would see neither one of them play. But this goes back to when we talked about the Washington Nationals. So we'll tie in something else to San Diego, Steven Strasburg. A couple of years ago, the Nationals have an opportunity. Strasburg's very young in his career. They shut him down, and everybody's going crazy. How dare you shut him down? How dare you shut him down? They, they said, listen, we're, we're not going to throw him. Maybe we make it back one day, but it would be absolute malpractice to have a guy keep throwing who's already had arm troubles to keep going, and they got second guess. They didn't win the World Series. People lost their job. They ended up winning a couple years later. So the big question for me is, if this is game one, if this is game 61 of the regular season, neither one of these guys would throw. How much is that ring? And, and again, rings are precious, and you should play with a sense of urgency when you get a chance to win one. What happens now for these guys and you go out there and you throw them, maybe you win, but there's a chance you damage them even further. How much of a risk are you willing to, to, to go with two young arms that you think are going to be part of your championship window for quite a while? How, how far are you willing to go out there knowing in the postseason it's like pitching under duress from pitch one to pitch 100 or however far you go. You can't win without them, but – what happens if I don't win and I damage them? Is is the risk worth the reward? Well, I think yeah. Go ahead. I think from you know from a player standpoint, and and I played a long time, and I played on some really good teams. You know, I played on a hundred and four win team. I played in a hundred and sixteen win team. I, I I was right there. I was in a World Series. Got whooped in the World Series in ninety nine. But I'll tell you, these opportunities don't come very often. And and if you get the opportunity. Man, I, I just think I don't know. I don't know how you go about it because you're right, Rich. You you gotta you've got to worry about these these kids' future and their arm, and, and it's more than about this one postseason. I it, it, I don't think there's a right answer. I think what it is is it, it's you got to give a, a little bit of a leash to the player to make that decision. And when we say they're young players, Clevenger and Lamette. Uh, Labette is, but Clevenger's been around for a while. He's a veteran guy. He knows his body. He knows his arm. I, I'm going to give a little bit of rope to these guys and say, what do you want to do? How does it feel? Does it feel good enough? Is, you know, and then assess, you know, on the, on the, on the, uh, 
you know, the doctor side of thing. I, I'm not going to get into that because I don't know anything about it. But I think you got to give a little rope to these guys because, like you said, and I think you said it, Rich, Clevenger and Lamette, without the, this te- this Padre team may be good enough to get past one round. But if you don't have Clevenger or Lamette, your two top dogs, I, I don't think you're making it very deep into this postseason. That's just my two cents. Uh, Derek, what do you think about that? There are so many factors at play here. I'll, I'll tell you, answer the short answer to what you just said is they can't beat the Dodgers without Clevenger and Lamette. Maybe, maybe with one, but there's there's no way they win a five. Well, you can't, game you can't beat the Braves. Dodgers you can't beat the one Braves. of those guys, right? So, but they wouldn't even get to the Braves. They, would, right, they wouldn't. Right. They wouldn't get past LA in the second round. But there's there's so many factors to consider here because they're both you know 27, 28 years old. They both are controllable with their contracts, and you have to also consider. The Padres gave up a boatload. They gave up seven players to get Mike Clevenger and Greg Allen at the trade deadline. He he was the big fish. This so you're not going to give away a gold glove caliber catcher and a couple of really good young pieces to get that guy. And then now you're risking, hey, are we going to win it this year? They're they feel like the Padres internally feel like they're built to be competitive for the next five to ten years. So do you do you risk blowing out a guy? who could potentially be there for the next five to 10 years, or at least bring back some more pieces as he gets close to, you know, getting out of arbitration, who's going to be able to help you win even beyond that. Also remember both of these guys have already had a Tommy John surgery. Clevenger had one in 2012. Lamette had one in 2017, much more recent. So you have to consider, okay, is it wearing off? Is it, was that a fluke that they were throwing so hard and feeling so good? Or is this just your regular thing? Is the elbow sound, is the ligament sound, is that going to be a problem? Because if it's just a muscle thing, that can heal over the offseason. What kind of damage are we doing if we run them out there? There, there are so many things that this team has to take into consideration right now. The simp- it, It's going to be a guessing game, but my guess is because they do feel like they're in this for the long haul, they probably will err on the side of caution, at least for this year, and say, okay, we'll roll the dice with what we've got, and then we want these guys coming back for 162 next year, and that's when we really know that we can take a shot to, to be the number one team in baseball and really go after a World Series. I, I agree with you on the on the fact that this team, I look at this team this year, and, and it raised my eyebrow. That's tough for the Padres to do to me. It's like the Mariners raising my eyebrow. It doesn't happen too often. But this team, I think, is built for the short term to have a lot of success. I think this city should be excited about this current and going forward Padre team. They've got a lot of young pitchers. They got a lot of young players. Obviously, you got the Machados and the Hosmers, and the, I'm not sure the Will Myers contract situation. But I was really uh, impressed the way Will, you know, all about a year ago, everybody wants to just get him off the books, get him off the payroll somehow. All of a sudden, he has this resurgence. So I see a lot of positive things in this project's future. And you're right, it it is it's a man. It's a it's a balancing act. It's what do you do? Do you go for it? You know, how much risk is there to hurting one of these guys arm? Because once again, the bottom line is without these two guys, you're not winning. You're not winning this year. You're not even going deep into the playoffs. I don't think just just my opinion. I want to change to Tingler, the new manager for the Padres. A lot of talk really kind of an unknown going into this season. What have you guys seen? How much of an effect has, has Tingler had? What's the word? How are the, obviously the players have responded pretty good to him, but, but do you have any, do you have any secrets that, that I don't know about rich or, or Derek, either one, what, what have you heard about Tingler? Derek, you jump in. 
Well, I think I think there is a little bit of the at least it's just not Andy Green because Andy Andy lost that clubhouse fairly early on and was never able to really get it back. Jay's Ting when he was hired, remember his for his name first started kind of popping around. I started calling some friends of mine who covered the team over in Texas because he was with the, in the Rangers organization at the time, and they were like, "Dude, hire him." I said, "Whoa, really? Hire him? Do it?" Yeah, I said. Who is this person? We have, we have, and we started kind of looking at a resume and the goal. We talked to him. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. He, he, he gets baseball. He's like the baseball player whisperer. Get, get him. I'm going, okay. I, I like what I'm hearing here. And then when he first got hired, it was, I'm, I am the relationship guy. I need to build relationships with these players so they know where I'm coming from. I know where they're coming from and we have a trust. And that trust has to be built on, I have to be able to tell them when they're messing up. And I have to be able to give them praise without their heads getting too big when they're playing well. And that's exactly the kind of relationship he has built with every single person in that organization, both on the active roster, on the 40-man roster, at the alternate training site. Even, I mean, even the draft picks have come in and, and been impressed at the way that they're able to start building relationships with this guy. So I think he's a nice mix of, and Rich, you could probably look at just kind of the, the, the strings he's pulled. He's a nice mix of analytics and go with your gut, like the old school baseball guy. Because we, uh, remember, Brett, we were talking about Mitch Moreland. You know, is he going to play situations? Going to play lefty? You know, if a lefty pitcher comes in and Moreland was the the DH because they started a right hander, does Tingler see a lefty come in and automatically make the move to a left handed to a, a right handed bat to pinch hit for him? Well, Andy Green would have done that. But if Mitch Moreland is three for three and he had two consecutive multi-hit games at the end of the season in San Francisco against left-handers, including a double and a massive home run to right center field, then Tingler's not automatically making that move. He's going to go, yeah, I see what, what the numbers say, but this dude's swinging a hot bat. I'm not taking him out. So he, I think he's a really nice mix of kind of the old school, I'm playing my gut here, and the new school of... I got to weigh in and measure my gut with what do the numbers tell me because there is something to that as well. And I think with the, yeah, with the, in the manager situation and the great managers I played for, uh, gut is a big part of that because, you know, anybody can run numbers and anybody can and have a notepad there with all the numbers and what should I do in this situation? So if anybody can do that, the great ones are going to rise above and they're going to have that good gut. So it's good to hear that. I, I, you know, especially in 2020, the game has changed quite a bit, you know, some for the better, but, but for being a guy like myself, that's, that's, that's kind of a purist of the game. Uh, a lot of the analytics and all that stuff, it, it, it overruns the game a little much. We get a little too technical. So that's good to hear on that. Uh, you guys, I hope you're prepared for this, but we got the uh, NL MVP. If you've been following, Rich is going to want to put a uh, asterisk next to it. But it is what it is. It's 60 games. Uh, what do you got? Wow. Uh, whom? It's so hard to look at because, again, do you go for the guy that you know is the best player in baseball or do you go for the guy who had the hottest 60 days in Major League Baseball? And, and it's just hard to kind of look around and say, okay, well, this guy, go ahead and put it up for the entire time. So uh, for me in the National League, I'm going to go Acuna from the Braves. As I look at him, I think he's got that staying power where he was hot for 60 games, and I kind of could use my regressive analytics skills. How about that? I'm not an Emmy Award winner, but I can do regressive analytics on my own, and I think you can see him projecting out that that's not a fluke. He would continue to do what he's doing. like it. Derek? I don't think you have to look at projections this year because you have to deal with the sample size you're working with. And in, this, in the sample size you're working with, 
He asked me two weeks ago it was Fernando Tatis Jr. And then he just he had too long of, of a, a slump in September to knock himself out of contention because two guys that I saw really came on, and that was Manny Machado and Freddie Freeman. And I think I think if you're looking at it, the Braves were supposed to be the team that's in the playoffs, right? They were supposed to be the class of the East. They turned out to be that. Freeman had a fantastic season, but it was it was more or less expected they were going to be there. The Padres, on the other hand, they said even before the season, and as the executive said this, for us to truly take the next step, we need Manny Machado to play like an MVP. And that's exactly what Manny Machado did. He played like an MVP. And at times, even when Machado, when uh, Tatis was down, there was a, a streak where Tatis was two for 30, and the Padres went eight and two in, in, in 10 games because Machado was carrying them offensively. So my vote would go... Not not by much, but by a nudge, I'd go with Machado one, and then and then Freddie Freeman coming up right behind him. Wow, well, interesting. Well, Brett, you, I mean, wasn't it in Seattle where you guys had the where everybody talked about the bus because it was a different guy uh, driving the bus every night uh, for the Mariners for a while, and it seemed to me like you know in San Diego there was you know you got Tatis would get hot, and then it would be Myers who'd pick him up, and then somebody else would drive the bus, and that was a nice thing about them. All year long, they had somebody that somebody different would step up in a different situation. So you weren't 100% leaning on one superstar to carry you. That's true. And, 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 uh, you know, the Padres this year, they had a couple MVPs. They had a Tatis that had an MVP type year. And then you had Machado had the MVP type year. And you also had Myers, not an MVP type year, but he's going to get some votes, put it that way. So yeah, there were a lot of people, uh, pulling on the same end of the string, picking up the slack. It didn't have to be Tatis every night. Didn't have to be Machado every night. Didn't have to be Hosmer. Somebody was going to pick up the slack. And that's what great teams do. They pick up the slack. But my pick is Freeman. <laughs> this guy, hit. He hit, he's just, man, he just had an unbelievable year. 341 at 462 on base. Led the league in doubles, led the league in runs. Uh, hit 13 homers, 53 ribbies. Freeman, they went into the season, Atlanta – one of the one of the best teams expected to go the postseason. Freeman expected to to uh, lead him that way, and I think he did. So my vote goes to Freeman, and I, I would put Tatis as second because I thought Tatis, as much as Machado had a great year, I thought Tatis is the underlying reason for that whole culture change in San Diego. We're going to switch it over. AL MVP. What do you got, Rich? You're up first. Mike Trout. I don't need to say anything else. He's the greatest player on the planet. Stop. Good. Gosh, why don't you vote for Jeter? Mike Trout. What, He's what the greatest. Jeter's going to pick, what, third in the draft? He's the greatest. Doesn't matter. He's the greatest player. Is there? If you were to start a franchise player. today, who's the best player in baseball? Doesn't mean he's the MVP. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, I watch Trout uh, much more closely than I've watched in the past because I've just been hearing it, it's kind of – you know, everybody out there that's that follows the game and works in the game, everything, it's just kind of like, oh, Trout's the best player, Trout's the best player. I really watched Trout this year uh, a little more intricately than I than I had in the past. I agree with you. As of now, there's a lot, a lot of great young talent coming up in this game. But I think if I have to pick, you put uh, you put a gun to my head, I'm with you. Trout is the best player currently in the game, but there's a lot of guys right on his heels. So you're going with Trout. Derek, who do you got? 
<laughs> I love Mike Trout. Mike Trout is the best player of this generation. And he, he's seen five of you, Derek. He appreciates your seven eight. And he's on a team that once again will not go to the playoffs. He's on a team, not just that, they're picking, I just looked it up, they're they're picking ninth in the draft. And they they're just fired the GM. They're gonna have a they're gonna have a top 10 pick in the draft. And that means if you have a top 10 pick in the draft, it means you sucked. And you're as a team. And it doesn't matter how great Mike Trout is. He's he's going to give him a silver slug, give him the most outstanding player award. He's not the most valuable. The MVP is the guy who is, as you, as you said, Brett, look how valuable Tatis is to that team. He's the, the straw that stirs the drink on that on that club. And, oh, by Without the way, he puts up monster numbers. I got to I mean, it's, it's really hard to ignore a guy like Jose Abreu in Chicago. Because of the numbers he put up, because of the turnaround that the White Sox had this year, as you said, Brad, it's like kind of the American League equivalent of the San Diego Padres. Abreu was—I mean, there was a, there was a week there where you you could not get that man out. He was—it was you could you could have thrown an aspirin up there, and he still would have hit a 480 feet. The guy is an offensive—you know—he's a—he's a, a force in the middle of any lineup. And what he did this year on a team that finally made its resurgence, he was in the middle of that lineup. He made it easier on everybody else around him. All those young players, Yohan Moncada, and those guys to start playing up to their potential. I, I really would have a hard time giving it to anybody but him, except for maybe one of his teammates in Tim Anderson, who, by the way, is one of the most fun players you're ever going to watch in baseball these days. No, I agree with you. I, I'm going to give it to Abreu. There's too many things. He, he he hit 317. He hit 19 homers. He he led the league in ribbies with 60. That's still a big number for me. I love the ribby, and and people are trying to discount it. The, the big boys are the boys that drive the runs in. I'll go to my grave saying that. He played in all 60 games. He led the league in hits. He led the league in slugging. I got to give it to Abreu, but man, I, I, I so much want to get into those intangible. It, it's similar for me in the American League as it is the National League. I gave Tatis number two because of the intangibles. And that's what I did with Voight with, with the Yankees. Yankees once again had a had an injury-ridden season. And Voight steps up, you know, kind of an unexpected star in, in New York. And he leads the league in home runs. And, and when Judge and, and DJ missed some time over there, who won the batting title, by the way, uh, Stanton was down. Torres was down. All their big boys. And Voight stepped up and just led the league in home runs. So he's he's my 1A. But when it comes down to it, I got to take a break. You move it on to the uh, NL Cy Young. What do you got, Derek? I, I think he, he was the pitcher of the month, just named today. If you finish out as strong as you did and you have the numbers you did, you give the Cy Young to Trevor Bauer. He is he was electric all year, and I, I will never look at the win stat and loss of stat ever again. Ever since the Degrom fiasco a couple of years ago, when one person did not vote for him because he didn't have enough wins, which is indescribably stupid in, in today's day and age, the guy was dominant. Absolutely dominant on a team that is back in the postseason. Again, one of those teams that probably wouldn't be there if it was a 162-game season. But do you want to run into in a possible three-game series, Bauer and Gray and Castillo? That that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough out Cincinnati is, and it's because of Trevor Bauer being as dominant as he was. I think he he gets my vote fairly easily. Although DeGrom is a guy, man, that 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 dude had another fantastic season as well. Mm. Yeah, Richie. This is going to be difficult because you could look at Degrom, uh, you can look at at Flaherty, but the best team in baseball right now is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And would they be there without Walker Bueller? And it pains me because I hate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. 
But I got to tell you, if it wasn't for Walker Bueller being so darn good, uh, would the Dodgers be where they are today, especially with Clayton Kershaw, who, you know, struggled at times. So I got to go Bueller. You go, hey, Rich, yeah, how do you feel about the Dodgers? Well, hate the Dodgers. Hate the Dodgers. That's off the beaten trail. I got a uh, man. Darvish was so good for so long, and and he was kind of the only positive thing in that in that Cubs rotation for a while. It finished with a two zero ERA. I gotta give it to uh, man. I'm gonna go with Derek. I give it to Bauer. It's too many things. Led the league in strikeouts. Led the league in ERA. Uh, I'm going with Bauer. I agree. I think uh, without Bauer, Cincinnati's not playing in the postseason. Let's move it over to the AL Cy Young. Back to you, Derek. It's uh, it, it's Mr. Bieber and everybody else. I mean, yeah, it is. How, how do you not vote question. for Shane? Yeah, how do you not vote for Shane Bieber and for the for the American League? It's not even close. It's not even a word. It's it's stupid. I mean, we're talking. You're talking about a guy who he struck out 122 against 21 walks at a buck 63, a buck 63 earned yeah. run average with a WHIP of 0.87. Uh, next, please. Can can I just screw with? Can Are I you just argue with, that one, Chris? Rich. Can I just screw with Derek and say, why not uh, Clevenger for the American League Signing Award? He should be eligible, right? Could he be eligible? Rich. Oh, God. Um, I can't give it to Bieber because I hate <laughs> Chris. I hate, come on. I hate, Justin, I hate Justin Bieber, so I can't give it to Shane Bieber. How about Garrett Cole? That ain't, that's not a bad choice, but what about what – about, uh, Cuchel. How about Keichel uh, in Chicago? One nine nine Ernie, but he he ain't getting Bieber. Bieber is the one, without a doubt. Let's turn to let's turn to this series with uh, the Padres and the Cardinals. Give me your uh, what's your predictions? What do you think's going to happen with this series? And and once again, I think you know if I haven't said it ten times already, the Clevenger Lamette thing are going to be huge. But let's let's just assume that for this first series, they don't have Clevenger and Lamette. What do you think, Richie? Uh, I pulled this one off the board if I'm Las Vegas because you don't know whether those two are going to pitch. But if we're going to go with your assumption that Clevenger's out and Lamette's out, it'll be Cardinals quickly. Wow. Okay, what do you think? I, I, I think the, the Padres still have enough to get by the Cardinals in a three-game series, even without Lamette's. And even without Clevenger, because they they still have enough in, in in the pitching staff, and you have to look at this Cardinals offense. This Cardinals offense is it's anemic, man. I mean, Tyler O'Neill and Brad Miller tied for the team lead in home runs with seven. Will Myers hit fifteen. He finished third on the Padres in home runs. The the Cardinals are going to have to win games one to nothing, two to one. If it gets a, a second, that run total hits. If the Padres can just get four. Or five, and I know that's against a guy like Flaherty. If he's on a guy like Wainwright, if he's on, and as good as that bullpen is, that's that's not going to be an easy task. But I think this is one of those series where the Padres can simply outslug. You run into a couple of fastballs, you get three, four, five runs, and and the Cardinals simply can't run with you offensively at that point. So I think I think the Padres win this series simply because they can. They're gonna they're going to be able to flat out outgun the Cardinals offensively. All right. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I've looked at this and I've tried to figure it out. And it, it's the Cardinals. They're, there's pesky Cardinals. And it seems like they're always there somehow. Obviously, an X factor is Molina uh, running that rotation. But it's it, to me, it's going to come down to does the Flaherty, which Flaherty shows up? 
Is it the Flaherty of this year that that almost had a five ERA? I, I remember watching him in the playoff last year and and thinking, man, this guy's going to be something. And I had him on the MVP rate. Uh, I'm sorry, the Cy Young radar this year. And, and he just kind of his walks really hurt him this year. And the long ball. I mean, he's he almost had a five Ernie. Uh, but he has moments of brilliance too, and I and, and the stuff he's got is absolutely electric. It's going to be which Flaherty shows up—the Flaherty of of 2019 or the Flair, Flaherty the majority of this season. That's the key right there. You got Wainwright, who's 39 years old, still doing it. He's a magician. Uh, he's got to be perfect, but a lot of the times he is. He had a, another really good year for him. I think their third starter is lefty from Korea, uh, Kim. He had a one six two. He only had he only had six starts this year, but uh, it's a pretty formidable three if they pitch to their potential. If they pitch to their potential, they can beat anybody those three. But that's that's a big that's a big ask right there. The Clevenger Lamette Davies is is a guy I've been watching all year for the on the Padres side. Uh, had a great year for him. If he's going to be the guy that goes Wednesday night, I would. That's what I would do. I want with Lamette and Clevenger out. My third guy for me, the best, my best option is Davies and then all hands on deck. Uh, I think you're right, Derek. It comes down to if you're just matching up teams, it's not even close uh, offensively. Um, it's going to be like, like it usually is in the postseason. It's who pitches. It always comes down to who's pit, who pitches the best. And usually getting deep into the postseason and the World Series, it's who's got the best starting pitchers. That's the way it's always been and always will be. So. Because you, right. eliminate, you eliminate the four and the five, so you go right. one, two, three, maybe a four. But, but Derek and Brett, here's the thing. We have seen obscene numbers put up around Major League Baseball. Offense is going crazy. The pitchers hadn't caught, never caught up with the, with the hitters. Do I see that continued ballooning of runs and hits and slugging percentage in the postseason? Or do I see a traditional postseason where good pitching beats good hitting every time and we start to see these numbers come back back to 3-2 games instead of 13-15 games? Well, it's yeah, also it, going to Rich remember, you're going to see a lot of bullpens. Yeah, that's that's the trend now. It really took hold in 2016, man. When Joe Madden threw, threw this upon us and Terry Francona kind of did too, you're going to see a lot of four-inning starts, a lot of five-inning starts. Well, and, so it's, you know, it's not going to make that much of a, as big of a difference as it was in, in traditional baseball circles. And also keep in mind, once we get through this first three-game series, everything's going to be in San Diego, Los Angeles, or a stadium with a roof on it. So you're not going to be playing in the Northeast. You're not going to be playing in Minneapolis. You're going to be pl- not going to be playing in places that are traditional cold weather spot. You're, right. you're, you're going to be in private control places where right. the ball will still jump. No bee stings in your hands hitting a ball in Chicago. And by the in way, October. I w- I've been going over. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been just kind of you know scaling through the all the hitters and man, I see a lot of ones in front of people's names, you know, from an average standpoint, I, I'm going through it. I'm writing these averages down on, I take little notes here and there, man, there's a lot of really good players that had some big years and there's a lot of players that stink. How do, I, I see a lot of one eighty threes, one fifty sevens, one ninety nine. How do you hit one ninety? B- believe me, I had some lean years. It checked my bubblegum card, 96, 97, it's ugly, but to hit one something, I mean, it's it's harder to hit three. It's harder to hit one something than it is three hundred. And in today's game, I see a lot of it. 
Do you guys notice that, or is that just me being being overly protective of my generation? Yes, but enough about Austin Hedges. <laughs> it's true. He's I, one, I, of, the, I, I he's one of the ones. No. He's one of the ones. I'm tired of looking at one. How do you hit one something? That's what pitchers hit. Well, well you know what? Guy, I'm, um, looking at, look, I'm looking at the Cardinal stats right now in the series. I'm trying to joke. go through like, like position by position where the Cardinals have the edge. Matt Carpenter hit a buck 86 this year. He hit 30 something bombs like what, two years ago? It's like he just fell off a cliff. The only the only position I can maybe even give an edge to the Cardinals right now is first base with Paul Goldschmidt. He had 304. He only hit six homers this year. Paul yeah. Goldschmidt, at the money he's making with the pop he has, needs to hit more than six home runs in a season. I would I would I would give the edge to the Padres at literally every position offensively, and the only one they get probably defensively. I mean, Molina is going to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. But it's it's this is going to be if if the Cardinals pitchers all pitch to exactly what their their best possible start is, they win the series. Anything short of that, and and they can't win. Two things. Two things. Um, did I see a sense of urgency out of everyone this season? No, I saw some guys that were just kind of going through the motions because it was sixty games. And they just weren't sure what was going on. Um, and Macchio was the last. I think he was the last twenty game loser. In Major League Baseball, people would give, oh, you're the last guy to lose 20 games. He would point out, you got to be pretty good to lose 20 games because if you can lose 20 games in the big leagues, that means you're good enough to stay in the big leagues the entire time, and they didn't think you were awful and sent you down to the minor leagues. So if you can hit 100 in a season like this, you have to have some value. Otherwise, I would have sent you back out to extended spring training. That's true. All right, let's let's get to the rest of the post. What we got? Uh, I'm just going to go series by series, and we'll go. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's start it off with the Dodgers versus the Brewers. Dodgers 43 and 17. Brewers. Brewers got to the postseason in 2020 with a losing record of 29 and 31. What do you think? I think the answers are pretty easy. Dodgers, Dodgers, because uh, the, the Brewers are only there because the Giants couldn't win one game on the last weekend of the series. So Dodgers will, Dodgers will sweep them, beat them, knock them out, knock out their two front teeth, and send them home quickly. If Eric? the Brewers win this series, it'll be a bigger upset than the Miracle on Ice. I agree. It's not even worth. <laughs> we should have skipped that series. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dodgers too. We got we got Atlanta's 35 and 25. The Reds who snuck in and got. Uh, hot late to finish <laughs> to finish thirty one and twenty nine with that stellar finish, but they did, and they got some they got some starting pitching uh, with Bauer, Gray, and Castillo that can be very formidable. What do you guys think? Atlanta and the Reds. Um, I'm going to go with the Braves, and the only reason to watch this is because Kung Fu Panda is probably going to be the starting third baseman for the Braves after being released, cut, sent to the minor leagues, and he played one game at third base this year. Uh, for the Braves, but he'll probably be their starter in the postseason. I'm going I'm to drop a big old bombshell in the middle of this. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Just, just I don't know. I know it's not that it's probably a stupid pick, but I just something tells me, man, they got they were playing well at the end of the year. I think, bless you. I think, I think Joey Votto is going to go nuts. I think he's going to hit like three bombs in two or three games. Plus, as you said, that starting pitch. Now the bullpen is not good in Cincinnati, but those three starting pitchers, man. If they can get you in a position to win that game, I, I Cincinnati's got more than a puncher's chance. I think they take it. I'm going to take the Reds there. All right, now I'm going to go with Atlanta. I don't think it's a question. I think Atlanta's 
uh, the second best team in the National League. I don't think they're going to have. I, I, I see your, you know, I see that, you know, you got the possible Cy Young starting game one. So, you know, it's only a three game series. Anything can happen. Derek, if that uh, happens, I, think I will make too much. You, Derek, if that happens, I will make you some Skyline Chili. Skyline okay, Chili, I, I, tremendous. I Skyline Chili is yeah, that's good and some, stuff, man. And some Montgomery and ribs. All right, moving wait, on. Wait, to hold the on. I think, I think we buried the lead here, Rich. You have the recipe for Skyline's Chili, and we're just finding this out now. You lead I, the podcast with that, Rich. I just, you know what? It's just wanting to give them a little bit more. Order it online, Derek. Here we got Cubs, thirty-four and twenty-six against the Marlins. Finish, finish this season thirty-one and twenty-nine. All right, take it away. Uh, Marlins are going to win because you have to have one crazy upset in the first round, so this might as well be it. Wow. Maryland, Baltimore County lives in uh, Miami, apparently. No, it's. Uh, I'm not ready to say the Cubs are the uh, the Cubs going to lose that series because I'm not ready to say that the Marlins are ready to win a postseason series. Great story, especially how they started the year. Uh, they came out of nowhere, really. Great job by Don Mattingly to get them playing, but no, they – they their starting pitching was not good down the stretch. They kind of limped their way into it in a bad division. The Cubs win that series. Uh, I'm going to go a rare agree with Rich, and I'm going to go with the Marlins as an upset. Yes, yes, we're going to go Alcantara and Sanchez, the young phenoms. These guys play the game the right way. Uh, their defense is bad. They steal a lot of bases. They got a good pen. I don't know. That might be the first. I'm, I'm not a Cubs guy. I'm not a Cubs believer. Uh, they kind of ran away with their division, and I don't know how. Darvish was obviously unbelievable, but uh, no, I'm going to go with either to. Uh, I'm going to go with Rich and the Marlins. Moving on to the uh, Twins and the Astros. What do we got there? Uh, I will go Twins. Rocco Baldelli will uh, lead his team over Dusty Baker's gentlemen people, uh, but Dusty five different teams he sent to the postseason. That's pretty remarkable. And he has not won a single World Series, and now he will not win a playoff series this year either. Uh, Minnesota's got too much. That means that Granke might be able to get you one. I don't believe in McCullers that much. And even if the Astros win game one, I think Minnesota simply got too much for the Astros to handle right now, especially when you really the, the vast majority of that Astros lineup is not hitting. Apparently, it's, as we said last night, Brett, it's, it's a lot more difficult to uh, hit when you don't know what pitch is coming. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think the Astros are lucky to be in the postseason. You, you get rid of Verlander and Cole. Uh, you know, Cole, obviously, the Yankees. Verlander out with the injury. Yeah, Minnesota's too much for them to handle. I'm with you. Uh, we'll go to the Indians and the Yankees. Mm. Let's go Tribe. Uh, they've got some pretty good pitching. I'm sorry, Brett, but I'm going to go with the uh, Cleveland Indians. Um, there's just something special about that ball club. I mean, there's so many guys that I know on that team from the pod race. I just, I've got to go put my Homer hat on and go, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Cleveland to win it. Also, if you start off with Shane Bieber, you're probably going to win game one. And if you win game one, you put yourself in a much better position to win the entire series. Uh, Francona has the Yankees number historically back to the Red Sox days. So uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Cleveland. I'm going to go with Cleveland too. I think you got Bieber game one. You're, you're facing Cole. Let's be honest. Anything could happen. Tanaka's been great. Under Underrated, by the way, Tanaka. He'll be in game two against Carrasco. I, I think the Indians have too much pitching, and I think the Yankees, they, they, it's been one of those live-or-die seasons. If they don't hit any home runs, uh, they got no chance. If they hit a bunch of home runs, they win. I, I think it's more of a coin flip series, uh, but I'm going to go with the Indians as well. And last is the A's and the White Sox. What do we got? 
I'm going to be a homework girl with the Oakland A's for no reason other than I used to work there. I got Chicago. I'm going with both seven seeds. I think the Whites, I know they kind of scuffled a little bit down down the uh, the home stretch, but again, they were playing against two pretty darn good teams in Minnesota and Cleveland. Uh, in that, and plus, it's turned out that the Central, I mean, the National League Central, but four teams in the playoffs. The Central was playing the Central. There's some good baseball being played in the middle of the country right now. I think the competition was a little bit better for Chicago. I couldn't tell you who Oakland's ace is right now. And I can tell you without with certainty that with Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, the White Sox have a couple of aces to throw at you at the front. I think I think Chicago goes into Oakland and, and wins that series. Well, Lusardo's going to be their their starter, the lefty, the young kid. He's going to be there, and and you've got Bassett, who's really good, and he'll be number two for the A's. That A's team is they're tough. Play really good defense. I think the White Sox are going to beat them though. I really do. Even though the A's were the were by far the class of that West, uh, I think the Whites. I think it's their year. Even they limped in though. White Sox kind of limped in. They were two two and eight their last ten games, but I still think they're going to have a, a few days to to reboot the battery. I'm going with the White Sox. And the last is is we got Tampa Bay at the Blue Jays. We got the what I think the best team in the American League is versus the young up and coming exciting team. What do you got? Uh, Tampa Bay, they are built for the postseason. They're not built for the regular season. They're built for that sprint to the postseason. I would love to pick the Blue Jays to win this simply because all those kids, it's like what we're seeing in Chicago and San Diego. I I would love to do it, but I'm not because I'm not stupid. Um, Tampa Bay has just got way too much. I think they win that series and they win. They might have a couple of moments from the youngsters from from Toronto, but no, Tampa Bay is just too good. Plus they got a lot of guys on that roster with postseason experience. And again, you have the former Padre connection there. So I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm I'm going for Tampa Bay in that one. I agree with you. I think the Rays are the uh, the class of the American League, and the American League is better than the National League. <laughs> I think it, with Glass now, Snell, Yarborough, Morton, that bullpen's coming at you, 98, 99, 100, every guy in that bullpen. Uh, I likened them to the 2015 Royals that had that bullpen that just kept coming at you, had a bunch of really good players, no superstars uh, in the starting nine, but they all know how to play the game. They play really good defense. Yeah. I think it's the Rays easy in that series. And the last thing before we get going here and get out of here is give me give me your World Series uh, American, give me your World Series National, and, and give me your champion. It is going to be the Andrew Friedman World Series. His former team, the Tampa Bay Rays, against his current team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as much as it pains me to say this, uh, uh, lead the Dodgers to their first championship this century. Wow, Rich, going out on a limb there, taking the two number one seeds. That's way to way, way to really give us, give us something, something fresh. That that being said, I'm going to take the Rays and the Dodgers because, because they're, they're the two best teams in baseball. And you, when you have the two best teams in baseball and they're on opposite sides of the bracket, you take the two best teams in baseball and you put them in, in the middle of that bracket. But and I love Dave Roberts. He's a great dude. He's, he's a San Diego native. He's one, you know, truly he's one of the truly wonderful human beings in baseball. I th- I think he's just showing that he's just for some reason, man. He's snake bit in the postseason. I think Tampa Bay and and what that, by the way, that's going to be a matchup of two dominant bullpens. So that's going to be fun to watch. But with Bellinger, if he unless he figures it out as mu- as great as Mookie Betts is, I think Tampa Bay is just too balanced, and they win that series in seven games.
All right. I love it. That's pretty, pretty uh, consistent with the three of us. You know, I wanted to take the Dodgers. Uh, it's By just the way, I hate the Dodgers. Just somebody else. I know. It's too, it's too obvious of a pick. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, just for the, just for the podcast, I'm going to go with Atlanta getting there, but same on the other side, it's Tampa Bay. They're the class of baseball. Uh, that's how it ends up. Tampa Bay wins the World Series. Guys, I want to thank you for having uh Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. At the end of this at the end of this at the end of this postseason, I'll be sending all of you guys some deep dish pizzas and some Italian beefs just to say thank you for watching the Cubs play the White Sox in the World Series. <laughs> I was gonna say, come on, it's gonna be the All Chicago World Series. It is gonna be a red line series, Danny, boys. Come on Danny, now. You're dreaming. Dan, who's gonna win? Cubs or White Sox then? I got the White Sox. I got the Sox. Just too well, good. You know, too good of innings, too good that. of a streak. I mean, it was a rough September for them, but I mean, as far as what they're doing right now, and just how deep and how how awesome those guys are playing, I'll I'll take them every time. I don't think David Ross well, has we, it in him. What we want to see, though, is Toronto and San Diego, because can you imagine the TV executives just yes. pulling their hair out going, how do, <laughs> how do we sell this to a national audience? But us baseball fans would be going, yes, it's a bunch of exciting kids. Let's do this. That's true. Tyler Montoya, former Durham Bull manager. There Now we brought it all back to the Bulls where uh, where you once played. <laughs> <laughs> that's true did you ever that's find true. out what to get that guy for his wedding that's why i always want them to know about those bo- those darn bulls what did he get well, the guy for the wedding nice yeah they, they are a good choice but is that what he got <laughs> go ahead booney no i want to say thank you rich and thank you derek derek's at nbc7 in san diego you got a podcast with darnie trip uh tell me a little bit about the podcast oh yeah th- i appreciate it it's and i'm gonna be on it thursday Heck yes. We have, yeah. We're going for the we're going with the big time guest now. Uh, it's going to be, it's called the On Friar podcast. It's called, obviously you being in San Diego. It's a uh, Padres based podcast. You can find it on, uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, any place you guys find, uh, listen to podcasts. You can find it there. Just search for On Friar or Padres. And uh, yeah, we do, we do it once a week, every Thursday and just kind of get down and dirty with the Padres. And, but the, now they're in the playoffs. We're going to be doing it uh, an awful lot more often. So join us. And uh, yeah, I'll get do this. The uh, as RuPaul says, you, she, you know, he loves him a uh, selfless plug, a shameless plug. Do the uh, the five star review and uh, leave us something nice. So uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Very nice. And Richie, thank you for coming on with uh, Riches with CBS Sports Radio. Where can I hear you, Rich? Um, I'll be over at Derek's house cleaning his seven Emmys uh, just to make sure they're Eight. all nice and shined up for the Eight. postseason. Eight. Oh, sorry. Eight. Eight Emmys. <laughs> You got it. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, me being on this side of the mic, as you know, it's not the normal. So, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. I, I want you to ask. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before we get out of here, can we do one thing that's going to be fun? Sure. Okay. Hey, Derek. In this yes. two and a half hour podcast, yes. Derek, we can. how many times? How many times have you got to ask? How many times have you asked a player a question in the locker room in the in the clubhouse afterwards, and they were kind of surly? Oh, gave you a one word answer. So can we turn the tables on you for two seconds, Brett? Yeah. Why don't you ask us a post, a a post podcast, uh, a post podcast question the way we would do with you. And we get to answer the way that we want to, as if we were sitting in a clubhouse uh, because we actually had some kind of athletic ability. 
All right. All right. Let's 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 go to the neighborhood of make believe here. And we got Rich Herrera, who's coming off a three for four game. He hit. Let's say you what'd you do today? You hit. No, no. You have to ask me about the podcast. How do I do the podcast? You get to critique my podcast performance today. Wait a minute. I'm going to critique it. I don't yeah, get it. Ask me, ask me a question about the podcast. I, ask I think me a question it's, about how to do the podcast. Oh, I got you. Oh, of, I yeah. got you. Oh, I got you. Oh, okay. I was setting up a, a completely different scenario. All right. I got you. Hey, Rich, uh, you know, this is, my, this is one of my first times ever being on this side of the mic asking the questions. You know, kind of a fish out of water. What do you think? What do you think of my podcast? What do you think about my mic skills? What, what do you care? What, what kind of question is that? Were you not paying attention during? What were you doing during the podcast? Were you watching? Were you up there in the press box eating hot dogs? How can you ask me a question like that? Okay, uh, I've Derek, always wanted to do that. Think? I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you got your wish. All right, guys. I want to thank you very much for coming on, Dan. You got anything to our uh, sponsors? Well, gentlemen, I want to thank all of you guys for coming on. That was quite entertaining. A shot of back at him because that actually brought a tear to my eye. Thank you very much, Ozzy Gian. For everybody out there, my name is Dan Levy. This is the Brett Boone Podcast. And it's just as these guys said before, make sure to subscribe on all the podcast platforms. Leave us a review. Give us a five star. And if you want to reach out to Brett Boone, Booney, what's your Twitter handle? I don't know. The Boone, is it <laughs> at, at, at the Boone 29? I think you're supposed at to At the that, Boone Dan. 29. I, I don't know why I'm responsible for your Twitter handle, but I'll do it. He is at the Boone 29. Were you paying attention when we went over Twitter stuff? Were you just sitting up there eating hot dogs? I was why eat- are you asking these questions? I was actually eating meatballs, but that's okay. Ah, for Brett, Brett Boone. How active you are on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> for Brett Boone. I on, on occasion. For Brett Boone. Brett, you are who we thought you were and we let you off the hook <laughs> we let him off the hook playoffs for rich herrera Derek dogerson i'm dan levy you've been listening to the bread boon podcast see you guys next week peace